welcome to the Max 6 Community Connections radio show and podcast with your host, Jennifer Burwell and Kyle McIntosh. Max 6 builds better communities where people and businesses thrive. We are broadcasting live from the Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center in Tempe, Arizona, and we'll be shining a light on the incredible stories of businesses we work with and how they are serving our broader community. And here is this week's Community Connection. Today, we're talking with John Deiter, a certified EOS implementer with John Deiter Solutions. And first, I guess, Jen, good to see you. Hello. Good to see you as well, virtually. Hi, John. Hi, Jen. Hi, Kyle. John, to start this off, first, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Where'd you grow up and, and how'd you get from there to where you're sitting today? Oh, boy. We only have an hour, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, I we moved to Julian. My wife and I moved to Arizona in 2003. Uh, t- took a job as a CFO for a company out here. Uh, after all of my career being in the Chicago suburbs, uh, in financial management positions, I had a couple of entrepreneurial uh, adventures where I tried to start a business with a couple other folks early in my career that really was a train wreck. Um, and I stuck to the corporate world after that. Once I got to Arizona, I was at that job for about two years, a little over two years, and it wasn't working out as uh, the owner and I had expected. So I wound up leaving, still doing consulting for him, but basically hung my shingle to do tax work and small business consulting. Uh, I'm a CPA or I'm inactive now, but a couple other credentials and that worked out well. And I loved the consulting and uh, became a partner at B2B CFO uh, after I sold my tax business. Even though I was good at that, it really wasn't a, a passion of mine. And uh, um, and that led to me, uh, Max6, become a, becoming a client and ultimately started working full-time uh, as an employee for uh, Max6 there. And uh, what a great five years that was together. And that's where I learned about EOS as we, we learned that and implemented it at Max6. And I absolutely fell in love with what EOS did for us and, and what it can do to for clients that we started to work with. And I chose to go on doing that 100% back in July of 2017. I can't believe it's been three years. And uh, with Max, good wishes from Max 6, I still appreciate that more than I can say. have been doing that exclusively, implementing EOS with clients since uh, July of 2017 and really since 2015 as part of Max 6. So Jen and I know we, we've been doing US for a little while, but for anybody listening, and I'm looking at the title of a book right in front of me, John, what the heck is EOS? <laughs> that, that was the, the most recent book that uh, Gino wrote with uh, another implementer, uh, which explains it uh, in very even simpler terms than the original book traction. But our 30-second our commercial really is that EOS is a complete management system of simple practical tools that focuses on three things, vision, traction, and healthy. Vision is getting everybody, first on the leadership team, but ultimately everyone on the same page with where you're going and how you're going to get there. Uh, the traction is execution, discipline, accountability throughout the organization. And then healthy is, is a healthy, cohesive team that uh, ultimately loves working together in a great culture. 
and the EOS model and the tools we teach strengthen six key components of the business that when they're strong at 80% plus, uh, the business is going to be able to break through ceilings and achieve everything they want from their business. So this isn't EOS connected, but it just came in my head. So I just want to acknowledge it that, John, the impact that you make on our lives and, and the companies that you work with is so incredible and great. And, you know, you were my first official, unofficial mentor. And I, I think a lot of the things that you taught me and, you know, um, in EOS terms, the integrator role is a role that you filled um, from XX. And then I filled your, your shoes, not quite um, when you left. And I, I think a lot of the leadership um, traits that you have and your kindness and your empathy and your ability to really take complex issues and break them down simplistically um, has stuck with me. So to start, thank you for everything that you, you've taught me and shown me. And I get to continue working with you as you are our implementer um, with EOS. So it's, it's, it's nice to still have you around. I definitely still feel like part of the team. And thanks, thanks really for those kind, really nice words. I appreciate that and value that relationship. Yes, absolutely. Um, but as you work with these companies through EOS, um, is there a story or two that sticks out in your head of your past previous experience that either informs your style or that you share with people? I know this is kind of a weird question. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but it's just something that I have in my head. Are there any stories in your past that help inform the way that you are today? Oh, man. With your leadership. You know, if, if I look back in my past managerial experience, which is pretty vast. I'm a reformed, uh, hierarchical, son of a gun, hold feet to the fire, don't get personal, kind of a, that's, that's where I started in my career. Um, but yet there was always something not quite right with that. You know, we, we learned that the uh, business uh, shareholders were of primary importance, um, that's who we're trying to satisfy. And, you know, we had to do that through people. Um, and so we, you know, we manage, manage people <laughs> um, to get stuff done. And it wasn't until really, you know, conscious capitalism, I got involved with that and the max six people and, and later in my career where I really realized that pe- people is what it's all about and how, how we engage them, how do we work with them, uh, so I've, I've learned a lot in the last part of my career, to be honest with you, and I, I feel good about that. Um, What's the uh, the joke that's so funny that it's not a joke anymore that we keep saying is this would all be so easy if I weren't for all these people. Exactly. People, whether they're employees or customers, that's where all the problems come from, right? <laughs> problems and opportunities, and, and it's, uh, that's what makes it fun. Yeah, absolutely. But the employee piece of it is is really where I think I've probably made the most personal growth as far as how how to work with uh, with people and motivate people, engage people, and you know, I've always loved people. Um, I've always been able to get along with just about anyone. I guess they say that's because I'm a middle child, and so I was always making peace or whatever that means to be the middle child. But um, that that's yeah. I always seem to 
try and see see the whole picture and and be very logical about where that leads us as, as a discussion, as options, and, and ultimately to a decision, but really trying to engage people in the process as well. I remember when we were trying to look for a replacement doesn't seem like the right word, but your predecessor, I guess, for Max 6, and when you and I were going through through the process and we were talking about bringing in values to the hiring process. And I think John, you had shared at one point that that wasn't in your previous past. That wasn't part of part of the hiring process and the exploration that you and I did through that process was really powerful and stuck with me because, you know, we both kind of were like, well, let's see how this goes and let's see what comes comes of this. Um, and it was a powerful experience and I think it added. And I always appreciate the, the clients that you work with, with EOS, you're always advocating um, on the people side of things and to really understand, you know, the technical pieces and the right seats and, and the accountability chart, but, but really on a, on a personal level, like the values fit and everything. And so that this is turning into a love fest of you, John, I'm sorry, I hope you're not feeling uncomfortable, but I'm just reflecting on all the lessons that you, you've taught me. And, um, and I wasn't even trying. <laughs> Imagine if you were. Oh my gosh. I don't know. <laughs> And I, thank, thanks for that. Yeah. It, uh, John, I'm, yeah. Cu- I'm curious about something before we start diving more into EOS and, and talking about that. But uh, it, as we've been talking about our past relationship and work and current, and, and I said something when you presented a couple of weeks ago in a group that, that I'm part of. And uh, I cautiously say this, I guess, because I don't want people to get the wrong idea, but I really do mean it is that you're the most creative uh, financial person I've ever worked with. And I don't want people to understand that as, uh, let's just get creative with the numbers and make it whatever you want to make it, but more of a, here's a uh, nuanced way of looking at this so that you can get a better feel for what's coming in the future, what's happened in the past. It is a big difference than a lot of other financial people that, I've worked with or around uh, where, I mean, did that come from like running a business, getting a feel for sort of all the pieces that are moving or where, where does that come from? Yeah, it certainly hasn't, wasn't from my technical training and accounting and taxes and all that, that stuff. Um, I think what I've maybe some early experiences in the workforce, uh, I, I didn't have an accounting degree. My degree was in mathematics you know, so I really have that logical approach to things and so forth. But early on in my career, even into the middle of my career, people would look at accountants as uh, the green eye shade and the pocket protector, which I have to admit, I had those for many years <laughs> and used them. You got to keep all those colored pens separated and not get ink on your shirt. But And, and so I made it kind of a personal uh, mission to dispel that image. And, and when I look back, I said, yeah, that's really what I was trying to do, trying to be open and, and contribute, contribute to the team, the financial expertise, but also recognizing that that's not always the only perspective. And, and I just worked at understanding the, as much as I could the marketing, uh, the operations. I love getting into the operations and doing the cost accounting and having people it's familiar with the costs. And all of a sudden, they started looking at me as, wow, we appreciate that, John. Boy, that, that's, I hadn't looked at it that way before or whatever. So it really kind of came naturally 
but it, I think it ultimately was motivated by me wanting to dispel the green eye shade accountant uh, perspective. So hopefully I've done that not just for me, but for a little bit of the industry, if I can be a little more broad stroked on that. <laughs> You've got just enough green eye shade to still be able to be strong at the accounting pieces and, and the rest of you is, uh, yeah, shining a different light, I guess. But yeah, I, one of my favorite things that you used to say I thought about this during your presentation a couple of weeks ago is you seem to be able to read a, a room where you can see someone's eyes about to glaze over. And then instead of reading at a eighth grade level, we're going to go down to a fifth grade level and help understand at whatever level you're at. And that's another thing I've always appreciated is that that uh, imagery is stuck with me of, okay, do they understand what I'm saying? I think so. They're nodding. Oh, no, I see your eyes about to glaze over. All right, let me back up a second here and retry to explain this. That's, that's, that, that's, that's even strengthened with my EOS work with, with leadership teams is you really need to read, try to read the room as to who's engaged and you know, who sits back and folds their arms. And, and so you ask, hey, what's going on over there? What's, what's, what are you thinking about? Um, so I, I've, I guess I've learned to do that. Again, that's Part of being a middle child is you're sensitive to your surroundings and, and the people and so forth. So maybe that just evolved over a lot of years. But I do feel like I can communicate with all kinds of all levels and, and where I've had to train you know, accounts payable clerks with how to do certain steps and so forth or trying to explain a new system to someone. It really is, you know, keep it as simple in their words, uh, in their language, in their level, if you will, make sure they understand it. So, yeah, that's something I pay particular attention. So speaking of EOS and and what is it we say? It's uh, simple, but not easy. It's like you said, very similar in a lot of ways where, hey, I'm the founder of a company. I've got this skill set. I've got something of value. I just want to go out there and sell this thing. I'll create a business out of it and I'll figure that out. But they don't have a lot of this stuff figured out along the way or not as not as uh, efficient or as good as it could be. What If I'm sitting here listening to this after the fact and a CEO, how do I know that, hey, I'm a fit potentially for where EOS would make a lot of sense for me to read the book Traction or to work with somebody like you, John? Sure. That, that's a really, really good question. First of all, just the fact that somebody is thinking that I need some help or I could use some help here, just that self-realization that, you know, they're really looking for some help. Uh, They're frustrated. Hopefully they're open-minded. In fact, I learned a term from from the Stegen Institute, knowers versus learners. Um, They really need to be learners that are willing, willing to be open and honest and vulnerable in that situation, admitting that they're, they really need help. There's a lot of people out there that, that can and, and would love to help those kinds of people. And, I, and I'm one of those. But typically, they're, they're feeling the crunch of everything that's going on. They're kind of losing control. You know, as they grow, they're um, not able to do everything for everybody, right, that they started the business and they know are doing everything, but their time isn't there to be able to continue that. People, once they've started to hire people, that adds a whole new dimension to managing a business because now you're managing people, not just getting stuff done. You just kind of feel stuck and and may have tried a few things, uh, 
kind of flavor of the month. Okay, well, if I, I do this, somebody uh, that owned a business told me he did this, so I'm going to try that. Uh, so it's kind of piecemeal. You know, once you get a few people on board, you've got to have a culture. And if, if you're not creating that culture, it's going to be created for you uh, based on what those people are. So those are the kinds of things, the frustration. Basically, they're hitting a ceiling, right? They're, they, they just hit the ceiling and they're not going to be able to grow unless they can break through. And that's what EOS helps them do. Do you specialize in any specific industry for your EOS work or what industries would benefit? I don't specialize. Um, EOS is really a, an operating system for any business. So it's industry agnostic, as we say. Um, it, it'll work for any business that has employees, harnessing that human energy. You know, my background is a lot in manufacturing and distribution, some pretty heavy duty manufacturing. Uh, but then once I'm in Arizona, it was more with small businesses, startup businesses, entrepreneurial uh, businesses, service businesses. So I've seen a lot of different, the whole spectrum of, of businesses. Uh, and certainly EOS uh, allows me to work with any of those, really, any, any industry. So I have an implementer to implementer question, I think, but um, or at least I'm getting this question a lot. I want to hear what you, you would have to say. Um, you know, with the COVID-19 crisis that has happened and it's impacted many, many businesses, how can EOS help businesses weather that storm? And the other question that I've been getting from a couple of clients is, how is EOS responding to the crisis and, if necessary, adjusting their tools? And I definitely have an opinion, but I'm so curious about what you, how you yeah. would answer those questions. Just to your last point, as far as adjusting the tools, there's no adjustment needed to the tools themselves. Um, when Gino invented this and wrote the book and continues to develop what are now like over 375 implementers around the world, it's the consistency of those tools <clears throat> that, that make it successful across any industry and across the board. But how I think how we use those, I, I guess even how we use them is the same. It's really the content though. I was just on a webinar a week or two ago, where I talked about a couple of tools, you know, something like the scorecard, where we're, uh, the team is identifying five to 15 numbers that uh, they track every week that gives them a pulse on the business, how the business is doing. That's got to be a tool that perhaps, well, first of all, it has to be a tool that's functional for them. They need to have that so they can have a pulse on the business. But during COVID, some of those measure, measurables that you're tracking each week could be much different. In some cases, they could be daily numbers uh, that you're tracking just because you need to know exactly how much cash you have or how many orders have come in or how many calls that people are making just to, to manage it on a more timely basis. But, so using the scorecard uh, is definitely a, a key component of that. The other thing uh, I'd have to say are what we teach is a meeting pulse is making sure that you're meeting with your people just the right amount of time, not overbearing and not separated, but just enough. So you're, you're connected and we know what's going on with everyone. Uh, that's made a little tougher with COVID if people are remotely working. Uh, but the key there is to still have that meeting pulse. You're still being connected in some form or fashion. Uh, and some teams have 
switch to doing daily huddles uh, as opposed to the, the, the weekly level 10 meeting we teach, which is a 90 minute uh, meeting. So how often and the fact that you're meeting, that's how you're going to keep people engaged. That's how you're going to be able to maintain the culture uh, is keeping connected that way. But even, you know, the other tool we teach and we review this in the, the weekly level 10 meeting are rocks. Those are the most important things to accomplish to be done. We typically use a 90-day world for that, where we build a, that's how long people can really focus without losing attention and, and losing momentum. Uh, so we, we use 90 days for that, for setting those rocks or goals for 90 days. Uh, in some cases, those have shrunk to 30-day goals, sometimes 60 days. Whatever, whatever feels right as far as, okay, here's what we can focus on. Here's what we need to focus on. And those, those become rocks until we can set aside time to get above the fray and, and revisit those. So yeah, those, some of the, okay. those are the three things that really stand out to me as far as in the cool world, how EOS helps. And those are the tools we teach. So it's really just using them in the current circumstances. Yeah, some of the feedback I've been getting around the rock setting is right now, or at least in the beginning of the of the pandemic, it felt like how are we we don't even know what's gonna happen next week. How are we gonna plan for the future? And they were the teams I was working with were very were excited and thankful that they had that 90-day window because that felt much more achievable. Like, yes, things are gonna continue to change, but at least if we can stay focused on and even shortening it to your point, like 30 days, 60 days, um, they felt like there was forward momentum without having to be like looking at a 10-year plan or, or even their one year. At least for, for us, there was a lot of panic in the beginning um, with the clients I worked with. And, and it was, a, we need something different. We need something new. Um, how are we going to address this? And to exactly your points, you know, focusing on the fundamentals and the tools that you have. Right. That's everything that that you need. It's just that calming down and the initial shock um, that you know some of us are still going through, um, but just keeping people focused on on their fundamentals. And I, uh, it's so true. I totally agree about the culture piece and just making sure that you're staying connected. How did people do this in 1918 during the flu without Zoom? How do you stay connected? That's we live in an amazing time that we have access to all of this technology to be able to continue to move things forward. It's uh, it's been pretty incredible to see how adaptable of creatures we are. That you know we've got a pretty big thing in front of us, and what does it come down to? Well, discipline and doing the same things that you've done, and and just keep keep moving forward. Right, right. There was a whole uh, still still a whole thread of information on our Slack channel for EOS implementers, and and people were were quick to share uh, how they did it remotely, virtually, and, and some tools. And that's how I wound up with my whiteboard and Captivo camera here that I can share. And I did that in about a week or less to, to be able to do sessions and share that screen. And, you know, just, just people are out there willing to help. And, and uh, it, was, it was great. We're finding ways to deal with it. There's something I've been thinking about with EOS and and it's that there are uh, a set of tools that that's all EOS is really. You're implementing this set of tools into your business. And really what 
a lot of those tools do are help to highlight and eliminate issues in the business or whether they're negative issues or highlight opportunities to take advantage of that. What's the uh, business owner has 127 things in their head all the time. How do we get all those out? And so these tools get them out of your head and there's a process to go through them. And the real value is this, this uh, meeting cadence uh, that, that you talked about, the, the meeting pulls that essentially take these issues and eliminate them or take advantage of opportunities. But uh, can you explain the issue solving process a little bit? Because I think that is just such a powerful, powerful piece of EOS that people probably feel like they have their arms wrapped around a little more than they actually do. And it just gives you so much more agency in your life to have such a system to go through it in this way. Sure. Well, the issues component is one of the six key components uh, that is identified in our EOS model. And there's, there's two things that we, we teach. And these are disciplines that really need to go throughout the organization to get the most value. First of all is, is the issues list. Is that, that's everybody being open and honest and vulnerable enough to bring up the issues that are on their mind. Uh, certainly at the leadership team level, that needs to happen. But think about that. If, if you're rolling meetings down and having engagement of employees throughout the organization, that they feel comfortable in bringing up the issues, knowing that at some point they're going to be able to help contribute to solving those, uh, that, that's really powerful. That's where employee engagement com- comes in. And then we teach the issue solving track, which is, IDS, the three steps are identify, discuss, and solve. <laughs> when, when I teach this, I, I start to draw a circle, 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 circle around the D or discuss because uh, my experience and certainly most people experience meetings where you just jump into a, a room, you sit down, and all of a sudden everybody starts skewing topics. They're discussing and one, t- one topic leads to another and it's not anywhere near the end result of solving an issue. It's more discussing. So we say, first of all, I identify the root cause. Uh, Many times if somebody puts an issue on the issues list, it's a symptom of something that goes deeper. So it's really understanding, okay, well, why, why is that an issue? And then you ask why about four or five times and pretty soon you get down to, oh, that's boy, if we solve that, we'll solve not just first symptom we talked about, but all these other things. And so identifying the root cause is, is really the first step. Don't discuss anything until you make sure you're, you're going to discuss the root issue. Now, to discuss, everyone has their say. Again, open and honest. We, we want to get the best thinking of everybody, not just somebody that uh, has a dominant uh, personality, right? You, you want to get everybody's thoughts. And then ultimately, once it's on the table, you don't have to repeat yourself. We call that politicking. So we say it once um, and, and then move to, at some point, it'll be clear that we need to move to a solve. What's the next thing we need to do to either solve it permanently or, or move, it, move it toward an ultimate resolution? And those things then become to-dos that we, we track in our weekly meeting that those get done and so forth. So um, IDS. Identify the root cause, discuss, everybody has their say, no politicking, and then move to a solve. 
Uh, the biggest thing there on the solve is that it's not necessarily consensus. You know, you don't take a vote and say, okay, well, so-and-so, this, this option wins five to two, or, well, we, don't, we need everybody to agree. It's really about once everything's on the table, there may be a couple of options that are viable. Um, ultimately, we, we say the integrator of the organization um, that's kind of over, oversees the, the rest of the functions uh, has the final say. And, and that's their responsibility for making that decision. And everybody, once it's decided, then everybody leaves knowing they contributed to it. There's no back of the, you know, backstabbing or water cooler talk that says, hey, you know, Kyle uh, decided to do this, but boy, I think it's the wrong thing to do. And I made sure they understood that. That goes away because everyone's had their say. They, they know what the decision was and they support that decision coming out of the meeting really powerful issues component. <laughs> it is. And I, I think that's, it's one of the things that I try to get people to understand is that the pain you're feeling right now, the pain point, whether it's I'm stuck, uh, I've hit a ceiling, whether because of my me as a leader or because the organization and how we're running it, we just can't get over this hump to make it to the next financial step, whatever it is. But the emotional things you don't even think about Dear listener, reader of Traction, what do you go to bed thinking about at night that keeps you up? What are these things that are in your head? And how effective are you really at moving them out of the way? And if they still keep you up at night, you're not very effective at that, even if you're spending a lot of time on those things. And so what can Traction really do? Give you your sleep back, give you peace of mind, make it so much easier to have the financial success of the business. But how much better would it feel just as a human being that's running a business to be able to have everything out of your mind, have it in a system and be able to know that you're moving forward on all of these issues? Right. And prioritizing those for our, in our weekly meetings, you may have an a issue list of 10, 10 issues long. Uh, but what we do in our weekly meeting is we prioritize those and we tackle as many as we can. That means the most important thing, if may, you may only solve one issue in that meeting, but if it's the most important thing that's driving everybody nuts and causing the biggest problems, how good is that going to feel if you solve that and then you can move on to the next one? The other part of, of giving some peace of mind is that it's not only out of that business owner's head, uh, the issues are coming out of everyone's head, so they're all feeling that way. But then they also know that there's going to be a forum where they can solve those. So it's not up to them, particularly the business owner, to come up with the solutions to all these things. It's really the engagement of, of that team at whatever level you're at uh, to solve those and, and get it done. You're only going to achieve your vision if you're good at solving issues. That, that's what we say. You know, um, the success in achieving your vision is is. Uh, directly proportional to your ability to solve issues timely and, and set them up and solve them timely. And for all time, right? And for all time, yes. Yeah. Make them go away forever. Right. That's so true. I think perhaps EOS missed an opportunity. We could market this as a sleep better system for right. everyone in the country. No, <laughs> no pills necessary. Yeah. So we talked to, we brought it up a little bit in the beginning. Um, we are work with conscious capitalism and how that helped shift some of your thinking with your leadership style. But 
as we've talked previously, I think there's a lot, you've, and you, I think you would agree, there's a lot of overlaps between EOS and, mm-hmm. and conscious capitalism. Um, do you want to talk to that a little bit? Yeah, I'd love to. Like I said, I did a talk on this and my thoughts have kind of further developed beyond that. But, you know, there's, there's really four pillars to the conscious capitalism uh, movement. Uh, and I'll just make a couple of comments. Maybe you can contribute some thoughts along the way. But the first one is, is the why, the higher purpose. Uh, every organization needs that higher purpose. It's not just making money. It's really what impact you're having to wherever you feel the, where you want to make an impact. So having a why or a higher purpose is one of the pillars of conscious capitalism. One of the first questions we ask in creating the vision under EOS is, what is your purpose, cause, or passion? And um, boom, bam, it's right there. It's, it's exactly the same thing. It's something bigger than just the organization making money and, and growing and those kinds of things. It's really what we're trying to impact in the world. And with Karen, we, we did a, a show, a radio spot last week, two weeks ago maybe, with the Phoenix Zoo. And uh, with, with their permission, I'm going to read their why. It's a, it's a, a perfect example of, of what, what it is. It says, uh, Phoenix Zoo advances the stewardship and conservation of animals and their habitats. That's their why. That's, that's why they're in business. And then their niche, which is what they do best, is providing experiences that inspire people and motivate them to care for the natural world. So their why, obviously, is, is conservation and animal habitat, uh, maintaining and, and help, helping those flourish. And they do that through what they do at, at the zoo, through their efforts and experiences and so forth. So that's a really good example of, of why an organization exists. So that that's really part of the question, the core focus on the EOS tools. Maybe the next one would be something like... Uh, Conscious culture is another pillar. EOS teaches what makes up the culture are the organization's core values. And once you identify those, that's part of the vision that's shared by everyone. Uh, we, we talk about hiring, firing, rewarding, making sure that you have people in your organization that uh, live those core values and believe those core values. And uh, that's, that's where you create the culture. And I'd have to say, I guess there could be some core values that, that aren't conscious specifically. You know, somebody could argue if, if they, uh, if they, one of their, part of their, one of their core values is to be kind when we rob banks or something, I, something stupid. But I, what I've seen in, in all of my clients is that those core values are, are really good things. They create a good culture and not exactly the same for everybody, but it really focuses them on what's going to create their family of culture and their family culture in their organization. So uh, definitely core values is the conscious culture. You know, we talk about some leadership steps where, you know, the leadership team has to walk the talk, you know, walking those core values, living and demonstrating those core values. That's how those things are embedded in the organization, right? What are the other two? We've got conscious leadership. You know, they talk about in conscious capitalism, servant leadership, uh, love and love and care for your people, for, for everyone being authentic and having a shared shared purpose. Well, we know the shared purpose is there, 
the way EOS teaches leadership is a tool we call LMA, leadership and management uh, equals accountability. And we basically answer five questions for leadership and five questions for management, that if they're following those, um, they're going to be good leaders and managers. Uh, you don't have to read a thousand books to, to do that. Gino's in the book Traction has simplified this down to five questions. And if you can get all those to yes, you know, some, some of those questions are things like, uh, am I providing the necessary tools? Do I act with the greater good in mind? Do I keep expectations clear? And do I understand the employee's expectations? Am I communicating well? Rewarding and recognizing. Those are all things that are, are part of being a great leader and that conscious leadership. Two things stand out when, when, I, when I teach that tool. As, as you know, we say two things. One, you, you have to genuinely care for your people. If you're going to be a good leader or management, you have to care for them. Obviously, that's what they say in conscious capitalism. You have to love and care, care for your people. And then the other thing is, is you gen, genuinely have to want to get better and be great at that. Now, if you don't have those two, you can read all the books you want. Um, you're not going to be successful as a leader and manager. So again, LMA is a tool that bridges the gap to conscious capitalism. And stakeholder integration, that's the big one where it's not, as I said earlier, the shareholders or investors are, are king. They're, they're one of a handful of, of real stakeholders, including employees and customers. Um, the suppliers and the communities the businesses operate in. And I, I think EOS certainly supports that in a couple of ways. One is through all the issue-solving track that, that we just talked about. If there's an issue with any of those stakeholders, those will be brought up and, and, and resolved at all levels of the organization, whether they be in purchasing where you're dealing with vendors or, or sales where you're dealing with customers, all of, all of them interact with all of these stakeholders. And if you've got the great culture, uh, you've got your higher purpose in mind, uh, and, and you've got good leadership that, that love people and, and care about people, you know, that stakeholder integration becomes uh, a natural part of it. And that, that's what I've seen with, Clients that are implementing EOS, they, they, I would say they're all conscious businesses. They may or may not associate themselves with being a, a conscious business, but they absolutely would be in my, my opinion. One of the cool things that I've seen is um, when you're going through your L10, you have, I can't remember what the original title is. Is it customer headlines or? People. Customer and employee headlines, yes. Yeah. So we've changed that slightly. And I, I think this was your suggestion, John, to um, stakeholder headlines. And I've carried that through with some of the clients I work with. And that's helped broaden their appreciation. So it, it's, you know, vendors, it's anything that's happening in their sphere of influence and all of their different stakeholders. And then, you know, if there's an issue, drop it down and talk about it. But I think that's helped people see at all levels of the organization, especially when they roll out L10s, that, you know, we all are connected and there are more than just one party that's vested. Um, yeah, I think that's a great place to show that. Yeah, thanks for mentioning that. That's a good place to, to do that stakeholder because those can be good things if you've had a positive impact in the community, an employee issue, a customer issue, vendor issue, or even an investor issue if it's, if it's somebody other than the owner in the room. And, uh, 
yeah, that, that's a really a way to celebrate that and make sure it's it's happening. So that I mean that in a nutshell, the four pillars and and the tools that EOS, uh, at least the tools that I thought through today, uh, bridge the the two worlds together very very closely in my mind. Yeah, and what I like about that and the way that you explained it is sometimes conscious capitalism as a philosophy, it's it's pretty simple, right? It's 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 just good business, but it can get heady. And it can get, okay, this is a great idea. How do I put this into practice? Sure. And when you can say, here's a system that puts it into practice for you. I, re- I really like that parallel um, that really brings it down to the ground and especially the way that you just explained it. Um, so give someone a tangible tool. So if, if a business owner is listening right now and they're feeling some of the pain that we've described, like, oh yeah, I am stuck or I'm do I'm, not sure how to process all the changes with COVID or, or whatever their, their ceiling may be. What would you recommend as like a first step for that business owner? Yeah. First of all, take a deep breath. <laughs> there, there, yes. there, there are ways to, uh, to work through this. And, and one of a couple of things as EOS implementers, we offer a really a no obligation, no charge, 90-minute meeting to get, get a complete overview of the EOS model, what it could do for their business, and, and see if it's going to be a fit. And we usually leave a, a couple of tools behind, even if they're not going to require my help or ask for my help going forward, that it's still a, how can I help them with, with some tools and, and let them go from there. So that would be the first thing. They, they could either contact me or connect on LinkedIn or my website is uh, johndeitersolutions.com. And even if they want to learn more anonymously, uh, eosworldwide.com uh, is the general website. They have, you can sign up for their blog, which sends something out just about once a week. Some really amazing blogs about tools and philosophies and so forth from, from some really with implementers, Gino himself, and, and some others. So uh, those are just a couple of things. And really, my, my first core value is to help first. So uh, I'd love for them to find a way to contact me, and, and I'll be able to figure out a way to help them one way or another, whether it's a referral or a connection or uh, just having somebody to talk to. I'm happy to do that. There's something you said, John. When we were talking about conscious capitalism and EOS and the interplay between the two and how are they so similar in ways and how do you, I mean, you said that, uh, you know, the extreme example of someone's, how do we rob banks or, you know, how do we be nice while we rob banks? And I just, I keep finding in the deeper you go into conscious capitalism, the more that you can talk to other people, no one no one for the most part's intent in starting a business is to screw someone else over. It's, I've got something that I think can provide value to someone else. And conscious capitalism is really just explaining in easier terms, provide value for somebody, make your people happy, relook at who all your people are that you're providing value for, and be a good servant leader. And EOS is how do you know that you're being successful with that? What are the measurements behind showing that you are creating traction towards this vision that you have of what you started the business? And it's, 
it, it just continues to be so fascinating to me that we continue to run into these unconscious conscious capitalists, we call them, that haven't heard the term before, but are basically wanting to do the right things. Sure. And there's a, there's a term that Ray Del Muro, uh, Refresh Glass, uh, well, a term, it's like a diagram he drew for me years ago. And three symbols, some change in a positive direction. And I think that both of those are true, conscious capitalism and EOS, is that, hey, just get started. Try something. And you're not in competition with, uh, as Max Six, a real estate company, with a grocery store, with a uh, cigarette company, with a, you know, it's nothing's good or bad, but you just make yourself a little bit better that next day. And I think both of these are approaches to do that with your business. And in focusing on the purpose of what you get up every morning excited about and passionate about, you'll make more money in the long run. It's amazing how that happens, for sure. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you, Kyle. That's the way it, the way it operates, for sure. So changing the subject a little bit, I have an entrepreneurial question for you, John. Because... <laughs> I was going to say, like it or not, you're an entrepreneur, but I think you would you would agree that that probably fits you. But when you were at Max Six, and I'm going to make the assumption that you were loving what you were doing, and then you fell in love with EOS, what, like, how did you process the decision to take the leap and go out on your own, or even before that, when you had your your other business, what does that decision making process look like? And I mean. Your your disc profile, you would be a little bit more conservative on the risk side, right? So what's that risk calculation? What pushed you over the edge? And how do you kind of, if somebody's thinking about making that leap and starting their own business, what advice would you give them? Wow, wow. Well, actually, I, I, I don't know if I've talked to you about this, but I, I've become a uh, a collaborator with Gino Wickman on his latest passion project called Entrepreneurial Leap. And it's a book, it's a book that he's written uh, where his, his next challenge, his next passion is to uh, have an f- impact a million entrepreneurs in the making. So he, he took uh, his passion for helping entrepreneurs from traction level, you know, operating businesses, looking to grow and so forth, back down to startup level of are you really made out to be an entrepreneur and the book entrepreneurial leap kind of describes six six key um, um, characteristics of an entrepreneur so it's a self-assessment it talks about how to choose the business would be good for you and then talks about some of the um, steps along the way and and what what the entrepreneurial life really looks like because only 4% of us are built to be entrepreneurs. Hmm. And truth be told, when I took the examination, you, you hit it on the nail. I'm not a big risk taker. So I, I only passed five of the six. And, and what he says in the book is that that type of person is best as a, uh, a solopreneur, which hmm. is interesting because that's, that's what I'm doing now. That's what I did with my tax practice, with my consulting and so forth. What, what I did was just assess the risk levels, right? Had to have some con- self-confidence, uh, not about building an organization, but about my ability to generate clients and revenue and 
be able to eat, pay bills and so forth. So that, that's really what I went through. And what helped me the time when I was working with Max 6 and decided to do EOS on its own, on its own a tool we call in EOS the Clarity Break, and which is basically a periodic once a week, once a month time with myself where I just sit down with a blank piece of paper and I empty my mind. You know, when your mind gets overwhelmed, uh, we need to take a clarity break so we can get get the grip on where our thoughts are, what our priorities are, get our confidence back. And as I approached that, basically over several clarity breaks, I started to process uh, what it would be like, what, why do I really want to do this versus what I was doing. And then it, it became obvious at some point that, hey, I, I really have to do this. So. That's a little bit about how I went through it. Awesome. Thank you. So when you said you're a collaborator with Gina, what does that mean? What are you doing? He's allowed me to, um, first of all, I'm I'm, I'm preaching that whenever I can. I've got a connection back with my alma mater, North Central College in Naperville, Illinois. And I've I've done talks, a couple of talks with one of the entrepreneurship classes. Uh, I sent some copies of the books to them, and I'm I'm actually speaking with as a mentor to a, two of those folks uh, that have started businesses, and and I've just volunteered to help. And uh, one one of them loves the book. He said, "Wow, this this is so validating, and and it really helped me, and so forth." So I want to do more of that, finding venues where I can talk, and and he he's given us a script to a talk where we can walk people through the book and. Um, I've, I've only read it two times now, so I'm not as conversant as Gino is, but um, I'd love to be able to share that going forward as well. So that that's what he did. Basically, a collaborator is someone that's willing to share it purely, what he's written and supporting it, and, and trying to communicate, and I agree with uh, what he's trying to accomplish. So it's good stuff. Yeah. Very cool. Entrepreneurial leap. So I guess, is it out now? Is it available? Sorry. It is available now. I've been meaning when I ever see it to bring a copy back and, and maybe talk about doing a talk with the next six community or, or, or somewhere in there. There ought to be a way to disseminate that information. So, I'll, uh, I'll do a quick PSA. That So what is that, the sixth book now in the series? Uh, I believe so. This isn't really part of the Traction Library, which... Okay which included traction and get a grip, how to be a great boss, uh, what the heck is EOS and rocket fuel. That's really for those operating businesses that are going ongoing and trying to grow and scale. This, this is a separate thing. Gino is doing it outside of even EOS worldwide. It's really him as, as his own person again uh, as a passion project uh, for this point in his career. So, so as we are... Uh, nearing the time that we're going to have today. I want to make sure, John, that we have time for two questions that we ask everybody that are on our show that have nothing to do with anything. And we're just curious and would like to hear your answers to them. Uh Uh-oh. So so my question first is, uh, John, what is your favorite book? And if it's a different one, what would you recommend to people? What's my favorite book? Boy, I can't get away from a book that supports what I what I do, and I'm, I'm so passionate about EOS and so forth. I, I think it's a toss up between Traction and Rocket Fuel. 
Rocket Fuel is talks about the visionary and integrator relationship and how critical that is to the organization. If, if that's a good combination, it's, it creates rocket fuel for the organization. So. Well, so there we go. It had exactly to do with what we were talking about. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I brought it back to what we were talking about. Sorry. No, that's perfect. <laughs> so I have two questions, if I can cheat, and they're new, that I want to try them out on on you. And Kyle doesn't even know what they are, so surprise. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> what is one positive thing that either you've learned or discovered during this COVID period of time that you plan to take with you in the future and integrate into your future, your leadership style? your life yeah i well the first thing that comes to mind is just the the ability to do a virtual session um with integrity and and uh, have them be valuable i think that's that's pushed pushed me in the line in the way of being a better implementer because it's not easy to have a eight-hour session on zoom and uh, some some groups really don't like it other groups have, have been fine with that. So uh, I, I think I'm definitely taking that forward as far as an opportunity going forward to do virtual. And, and even that to do webinars and talks uh, on other topics as well would, would be interesting for me to do. I kind of like doing those. <clears throat> yeah, I think this um, situation has forced us all to become even more comfortable with technology, even if we already thought we were pretty good. but. Uh, I totally agree that I, I've done a couple of sessions um, via Zoom and it does make you, you have to up your game to keep everyone engaged yeah. and to, to keep everything moving. On the other so hand, last- I, I, I just want to add to that because there's one thing that I, I haven't been able to do and that is overcome really a decline in my business development efforts. Um, I haven't figured out other than doing webinars and, and connecting with people you know, getting out and meeting people and getting in front of groups of target uh, potential business owners and so forth has been been hard. Uh, I haven't really cracked the code on that, but doing what I'm doing today, and I appreciate that's why I appreciate the opportunity here. I now have some place I can point people to, and I wish I had a marketing guru that uh, would would help me do some of that stuff, so that clients would just be pouring into the, the, the doors to uh, work with me, but. <laughs> Don't we all? Yeah. <laughs> Don't we all? I also think that business owners, at least from what I've been hearing, is some a lot of them feel like their hair's on fire right now. And although they desperately need it right at the moment, it's been hard to get people to focus and sure. kind of think about it. Um, but I think well hope my hope is as things settle down, let's keep our fingers crossed that things are gonna be continuing to settle down. Um, you know, there'll be more opportunities. My last quick question is if you could go back in a time machine to your 20 year old self as you, what would, what advice would you give your 20 year old self? I I have a hard time looking back to, to see, talk of, think about what I would do different. Um, I've been blessed and had a lot of different experiences. I I guess I would just say, Hey, stay the course, um, keep your values and uh, find what you'd love to do. That's what I would say. And that's what I've done you know, through 
through music early on. I played in the band through using my math ability and accounting and getting some degrees and that stuff, uh, finding a job where I felt fulfilled and then you know, part of the path that I described earlier. So I guess that's what I'd say. <laughs> and invest. It put I don't a little think about that much. <laughs> and, and put a little money into Tesla. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> or or any number of companies. Yeah, right. Like back to the future. <laughs> I'd have my own uh, tower, tighter tower. <laughs> uh, so, John, thank you. Um, you said it once before, but if you could just let anybody listening know uh, how to find you online, your email, website, any of that. Sure. The website is www. John Deiter Solution, and that's J-O-N-D-E-I-T-E-R Solution. And my email is this, that same uh, ending. It's John, J-O-N, at John Deiter Solutions.com. And my phone, uh, 480-760-5809. Love to hear from anybody and have a conversation. So thank you, John Deiter, for being on the show today. It was a great conversation. And until next time, thank you for being an awesome part of the community. Thanks, Kyle. Jen, I enjoyed this a lot. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Max 6 Community Connection radio show and podcast with your hosts, Jennifer Burwell and Kyle McIntosh. We are off to continue building better communities where people and businesses thrive and telling the stories of capitalism as a force for good through the businesses that we serve. To be a part of the conversation, join us for a tour of the Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center in Tempe, Arizona, or find us at max6.com. <laughs>